Um, the street we live on, the, where our house is, has just the, the slightest little incline on it. And so about, you know, November every year, once you start getting that first rain that freezes and then the snow that piles on it, through about May, whenever it thaws, we have, we have an ice rink in, in our driveway. And I, or, or not our driveway, our road. And it's not necessarily that the plow trucks don't come by. I don't know what it is. It just feels like for about six months out of the year, it's just this, this sheet of ice. And 90% of our driving is going up that hill. And so I just was thinking about this the other day because you get in the car and, you know, the kids are in the back of the car and you have to give yourself about 20 minutes to get about 100 yards up this hill because your tires are spinning and you don't want to spin them too much and you got to get traction and you get a little bit, you know, you make a little bit of progress and eventually you kind of catch everything and then you start going. Uh, so it's literally something that you have to, well, not really, but you have to plan into your commute where uh, we got to be somewhere in an hour. We should probably head out now because it's going to take that long just to get traction on the road. Um, I, uh, I was thinking about that because I feel like this, this uh, slow, deliberate process of hitting the gas and making, you know, trying to climb the hill is exactly my experience with the Spirit. Uh, over the course of the last, uh, you know, for me it's been a little bit longer because I've been in the process of studying this for a while. Uh, but I think for our church over the last uh, November, whenever we, November 16th I think we started, it's this process of getting traction uh, about the Spirit, the Spirit in our lives, the Spirit kind of like coming into our presence, our midst, our experience, and us beginning to kind of like the tires are catching the road and we're beginning to move forward and we're going to take off. There's so many people that I've talked to that have said things like, yeah, I had this happen or I sensed this or God communicated this to me or I read this Bible passage and it just tra was transformative. That's the Spirit working in people's lives. We're starting to get traction and we're going to take off. And I just think it's a wonderful, exciting thing. It's just a, it's a great thing to know that the, the Almighty God desires to have some sort of interaction with you and your life and your daily routine. I mean, how mind blowing is that? Like he wants you to pray to him and he wants to answer those prayers. It's unbelievable. It's just a crazy, crazy thing to think about. I feel this in my life, in my spirit. We're getting some amens from the babies. I mean, they feel it too. I mean, how wonderful is that? We want to raise them in an environment that is spirit-filled. Parents, we want that. Spirit's beginning to get traction. All right, so let's, uh, let's talk about this because I think I'm experiencing this desire like, okay, hey, yeah, we're moving somewhere. How do we get more of it? That's the question that's coming to my mind. Like, I ha we have the Spirit. How do we get more? How do we, what do we do? What, what spiritual muscle do we need to flex so that the Spirit kind of comes into our lives in a more powerful way? Do I need to listen to a podcast? Is there a book I can read? Is there a video course I can take? What do I need to do to get more of the Spirit? How do I make this happen? I think that's what I want. I kind of sense that's what a lot of people want as well. What do I need to do? What spiritual muscle do we need to flex and develop and have the Spirit working in and through us? We've been weaving our way through the book of Ephesians a little bit, you know, stopping here and there. And we're going to skip over some incredible content that should not be skipped over. But for the purposes of this sermon, we're going to do it. If you, you could go back and read chapter 4, but we're actually going to jump from chapter 3 last week into chapter 5 this week. And I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. And we're going to try to answer this question of what do we need to do 
to get more of the Spirit in our lives. Ephesians 5.18, uh, do not get drunk on wine. All right, well, that's good. Okay, so far so good today, I think, right? We're, we're hopefully doing okay. Uh, great, step one, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. We don't want any of that debauchery in our lives. Not a word we use a lot, kind of means just like, just, you know, a life that's kind of full of uh, sinful self-indulgence. Um, instead, be filled with the Spirit. That's what Paul writes at the, toward the end of this letter. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Okay, great. Filled, filled. I like that. Filled. I want to be filled with the Spirit. That's the language I want. God, fill me with your Spirit. What do we do? How do we do that? What YouTube video do I need to watch to be filled with the Spirit? Uh, you probably noticed the, this verb, filled, before in connection with the Spirit. It actually appears quite a bit in Scripture. So there's a number of verbs that are connected with Scripture, uh, with the Spirit, and this is one of them. So if you look at like the beginning of the Jesus story in Luke chapter 1, verse 67, it says that. It says, uh, Zechariah, this is John the Baptist. Uh, father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit. There, that's, an, that's that verb again. Uh, Acts chapter 2 verse 4, all of them, this is the upper room, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, Acts chapter 4 verse 31, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. And, and so the concept of being filled with something, may, it makes sense, right? We, we can get traction on that idea because we've all been filled with different things. We've been filled with emotions. You've been, th many of you have been, you know what it's like to be filled with fear. You've been on an airplane and the turbulence started going and you experienced fear and you knew you were filled up with fear. Your fearometer went to the max and you thought this is it and now I need to get right with Jesus because I'm going to meet him. You know what it's like to be filled with, like, anger, right? You know what that experience is like. Something just makes you so frustrated and so mad, you get filled up with that emotion and you act out of that emotion. Filled with jealousy, you've experienced those kinds of things. Filled with confusion. E each one of those actually is a Bible verse that uses the same word to be filled with or filled with, uh, and, and it talks about being filled with fear, anger, jealousy, confusion. And when we are filled with those things, when those things fill up our lives, we act out of them, and it's never like good results. You've never done anything that was good when you were filled with anger. The, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. You don't make, like we, our lives are filled with regrets because we were filled with those things. I pointed back there because that's my screen. This is your screen. We're filled with, and then it fills us with regret. And it fills us with frustration at ourselves because we've been filled with these things and we don't know how to be unfilled. How do I drain fear? How do I drain anger? How do I drain confusion out of my life? And our lives are not what we or others hope for us when we are filled with those things. We are not a life-giving presence in our family when we are filled with these emotions. We don't create good things. We don't have good conversations. We don't have good interactions. Like people don't want to be around us. People don't enjoy our company. We don't enjoy our company. All right, so we get the idea of being filled. So what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Because when I have turbulence or when I'm driving to church and it's a little icy out and my car starts to slide around the road, I'm filled with fear. How, though I, don't, I didn't choose, I didn't say today, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to fill my life with fear. We didn't do that. But, so how do we wake up and fill our life with the Holy Spirit? How do we do that? 
Now, this is interesting because I, th- I want to draw you to something that Jesus said with regard to this concept. John chapter 7, if you want to turn over there. John chapter 7. We're going to look at John chapter 7. We're going to look at John chapter 4. We're going to look at Luke 11. And then we're going to be back in Ephesians 11 if you want a little roadmap to this sermon. John chapter 4, or excuse me, John chapter 7, verse 37. This is Jesus. He says he's at a festival. He's in uh, the temple square. And there's a bunch of people milling around doing festival-like stuff. And Jesus says this. This is, this is so amazing. Uh, on the last and greatest day of the festival, so this is, you know, the, the, the Labor Day of the state fair, places packed, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, like this, projected, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. And the parents who were standing nearby said, kids, Don't make eye contact with, because that guy is weird. What does that mean? Why would you shout that out in a crowd? Whoever believes in me, imagine in a crowd saying this, come to me and drink. What does that mean? Uh, Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And that's all he said. That's the end of the story. And you're just like, Jesus, how is that helpful to people who are standing around? That's weird. What is that about? And John, writing this, knows that it's weird. And he gives us a little editorial comment to help us understand what Jesus is getting at. And he says this in verse 39. Check this out. Verse 39. By this he meant the Spirit. The rivers of living water. By this he meant the Spirit, um, whom whom those who believed in him were later... Rivers of living water will flow from within them, that's us, by this he meant the Spirit. Now I want you, this is cool, I want you to notice the language Scripture often uses around the Spirit. Remember we've told you this before, that the Spirit is the same word as breath and wind, and so there's this, you know, this sense of, you know, breath filling our lungs, that sort of thing. Uh, But one of the other metaphors Scripture uses a lot to talk about the Spirit, and you see this a lot in the Hebrew Bible, in the Old Testament, is this this, this water metaphor, rivers of living water, that sort of thing, Isaiah 44, if you want to dig into that later. Um, But like, for example, like in John, uh, excuse me, in Acts chapter 2, quoting Joel, the, the, Peter says, I will pour out my spirit, pour out my spirit, or to be filled with the spirit. I don't know if you know this, but you can live, because people have done it, you can live 73 days without food. 73 days. I don't know what date is 73 days from now, but that's a long time to not eat a meal. 73 days. And the reason I know this, I actually looked it up to see, the reason they know is because there was a, a guy with the last name Doherty who was on a hunger strike in Ireland. He was 25 years old, lasted 73 days, and then died. And they said, well, 73 days is the most you can do. And that was it. Do you know you can only live about 72 hours without water? You can live for a long time without food. Not that you're going to. You're, we're all going to immediately leave here and go get food. But you can only live a few days without water. It's, it's weird to think about, like, why did God make us so dependent on water? When I was a kid, I was probably, I don't know, 13, 14 years old. I'd get headaches all the time. 
all the time. And I was like, what is going on? Why? I, and I was just thinking, it must be pain, growing pains. You know, it must be that everybody must go through this. No, it's because I never drank anything but like soda. And I was getting dehydrated and getting headaches. And so now with our kids, every time our kids are like, dad, I have a headache. Drink some water. Dad, my, uh, you know, my knee hurts. Drink some water. Dad, I got bad grades. Drink some water. Water is the answer to everything. Like it just is like, it's, it's life-giving, right? Now we get that. We even get that living in Minnesota, Atlanta, 10 thousand legs but imagine you're living in this like dry arid culture this place where wells and oases were like the relatively rare thing you can imagine this metaphor of water was so valuable to know that like Jesus is saying that people who believe in me become a life-giving presence that other people come to to be refreshed they are the people that are that believe in me are filled with the life-giving presence of the spirit I mean it's just a wonderful idea water is life now, this may actually ring some bells when you think about like, okay, living water, what is all that about? Because you remember that story of the Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter 4. And Jesus is at the well, and I imagine he's just casually sitting there. The lady comes to the well at the weird time when nobody else is there, so it's just Jesus and this lady. And Jesus says, hey, get me some water. It's kind of a weird thing to say anyway, but you are not supposed to talk to other women, much less Samaritan women. Jesus is just like, just going way out of the norms of society. And this lady says, who are you talking to me? You're a, you're, you're a Jewish male, I'm a Samaritan woman. She's like pointing out all the things that separate us. And Jesus says, nope, that's not what it's about. He says, actually, if you knew who it was that is talking to you, you would have asked me for, a, for water and he would have given you living water. And it's just such a strange story. Like what was Jesus trying to get at? What's he thinking about? And then verse 12, in, Hebrew, in John chapter 4, verse 12, Jesus answered, because she's asking questions like, okay, fine, give me this living water. What is that? And he says, everyone who drinks this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And I think we begin to see like the edges, the contours of this idea that Jesus is trying to communicate. He's trying to tell us that the spirit, the presence, of, presence and power of God is available to people and it creates in them, it makes them a life-giving presence. It creates life within them. It creates joy and hope and peace and goodness. It creates awareness of sin and a desire to confess. It creates all these things that we want, but it comes from the power of the Spirit. We talked about this quite a bit last week. The Samaritan woman, this story, unbelievable. That day, she had this, I don't know, how long did this conversation with Jesus take? Five minutes, 10 minutes? She, she went away from, she walked to the well being broken, being dry, being thirsty, not having any future, not having any hope, trying to avoid community. And she left the well and she transformed her town. She went back into town and she got everybody stirred up and they all came out to see who was this person that told her everything about her. She had been filled up with the Spirit. 
in, in, in a moment. We, we tend to think like, okay, Patrick, I heard what you said. I'm going to go ruminate on that for a while. I'm going to go file it away. I'll think about it. And Jesus is saying, no, this is something that is accessible and powerful for, for us in a moment. Our lives can be transformed instantaneously. It's just an unbelievable idea to be filled up with the Spirit. Okay, I want that, right? I want that. Who doesn't? Who doesn't want to be that type of human? So what do we do? Well, Ephesians chapter 5. Do not get drunk with wine. Okay, we got it. Uh, well, I don't know exactly why you threw that one in there, Paul, but okay. Do not get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Okay, I get the do not get drunk kind of. It's a strange contrast to throw in there, but okay, that type of thirst won't produce the filling of the Spirit. Okay, but what, but be filled? What, what formula do I need? What muscle do I need to flex to be filled? What do I need to reach out and grab? How many hours of prayer do I need to spend? How early do I have to get up? How much of the Bible do I have to read? How, what do I have to do? And scripture says, be. I think I, I, this, this is blowing my mind and I, I am going to pray that it blows yours as well. Scripture doesn't say do in order to be filled with the Spirit. Scripture says, be. What? Well, how do I, well, I, I, no, I need to know what to do. I need to know what mountain to climb. I need to know what river to cross. I need to know what to achieve, what to accomplish, what to have under my belt. And scripture says, be. What? How, how am I just, how am I supposed to just, just be? How do I do a passive verb? I grew up in uh, Oregon, which is an interesting state for a lot of reasons. But one of the things is, is in 1951, the wise legislature of the state of Oregon decided that it would no longer allow the residents, the citizens of Oregon, to pump their own gas. You cannot pump your own gas from 1951 to 2020. When they were like, you know what, we should really stop this because we don't want to make everybody have to interact with each other at the gas station. So for uh, whatever that is, 70, 69 years, you could not pump your own gas. So when I was growing up as a kid um, and learning, you know, like the ropes of driving and all that, I did not know how to pump gas. I didn't know that people did that. Uh, they don't all have sales tax either, and I didn't know how that worked. But when we would drive up to the gas station, you would just drive up, you would roll down your window, you'd say, uh, yes, fill me up or put 20 bucks or whatever, and they would wipe your window down. It was great. It was wonderful. But I was with some friends one time, and we were driving somewhere, I don't know, in Nebraska, and they were like, hey, Patrick, will you hop out and fill it up? And I'm like, uh, I, don't, I don't actually know how to do that. Uh, what do you mean you don't know how to pump your own gas? Well, I've never done it. I don't know. I'm not trained in the ways of pumping one's own gas. I don't know. I'm probably going to blow something up. I, I am not a professional at gas pumping. And well, everybody knows that. No, I don't know how to do it. And so they had to walk me through the steps, you know, and okay, now I pump my own gas all the time. And it's this real privilege. It's this real joy to pump your own gas, especially in Minnesota when those, when those things ask you about 20 questions and you're going to freeze to death as you try to answer them. But I remember a few years ago, we drove back to, uh, went back to Oregon, and I, we needed gas, and we drove up to a gas station without even thinking about it. I opened the door, hopped out of the car, ready to pump my own gas, because now I am a person who can engage with society and fill my own gas tank. And the technician came bounding across, sir, 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 you need to get back in your vehicle. Like, who is this guy? What is it? I mean, 
He t- I know how to pump gas now. You can't stay, tell me what to do. And I'm not like a combative, argumentative person for the most part, but sometimes I get in weird moods or bad moods or whatever. Sometimes I'm not filled with the Spirit. My father-in-law knows that. And I'll have these interactions that, uh, that I'm not proud of. But I remember saying to this technician, this gas technician, real fancy title, by the way. Did you go to school for that? I remember saying to this technician, what are you going to do? Like, I'm, what if I just get out and do it? What are you going to do? And he was like, no, sir, there are big fines. We could get in trouble. You could get arrested. Like, okay. This is, I mean, like every, like, I don't know, every fiber of my proud being was like, whatever. I'm trying to communicate with my body language how above this I am. Fine. I will get back in my car. You may fill up my gas tank like I'm the queen of England or something Remember from last week. They don't do anything. They're just queen. And, and so it's just a weird, like, un, like unpleasant experience to, to be able to, th- to, well, to think you are able to do something and then have to have someone else do it for you. It's, an, it's not a fun experience. It's kind of humiliating, actually. I should be able to do it myself. And Paul tells us you, you, you cannot do anything to be filled with the Spirit. You have to be served. God has to fill you. Now, God wants to say yes to this request, but I think we're fighting him because we're trying to get out of the car and do it ourselves. We're trying to read enough Christian books. We're trying to listen to enough podcasts. We're trying to like, pray exactly the right prayers with exactly the right words. We're trying, to, we're trying to do all the right things, and God is saying that is not how it works. How it works, it is first about humble, even humiliating dependence on me in order to be filled. All right, God, I, I want to be filled. But what if I don't feel something? What if I don't experience something? What if something doesn't happen to me the way I read about in Scripture? What, what, what if? Well, do you trust me? Do you trust me? I, um, I've been praying a prayer for a while um, based on w- w- this series, you know, just reading through my Scripture on, on my own, I came across, I mean, it's so fascinating. Can I just pause for a second and, and tell you, if you start thinking about the Spirit and then you start reading the Scripture, you see the Spirit is just, He's on every page. And I just did, I didn't notice Him for the first 41 and a half years of my life because people told me He didn't do stuff anymore, and so I didn't look for it anymore. <laughs> he's on every page. And I was reading the book of Luke a while back, chapter 11, this is months ago, and I've been praying this prayer uh, daily. Um, and, and Luke chapter 11, verse 13, Jesus is saying, hey, dads, moms, you know how you know how to give good gifts to your kids? And some of us are like, no, it's not really. I'm not really good at giving gifts. They always return them, so I have to keep the receipt. But I mean, we know, we know what order that our kids want at McDonald's, right? We can, we, if we don't know exactly what they want, we can guess. We know what things they don't like. We know what, know what to hold on the burger. We know what to go to get at Dairy Queen. We know what they like in their blizzards. We know, we know our kids, right? If, if you are a good parent and you desire, or even a bad parent, he says in this context, it's kind of funny, but if you are even a bad parent, and you know what your kid's like, and you want to give them what they want, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those that ask him? Now, this is interesting because in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, a verse that we love, and we really focus on baptism, 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 and we don't really think about so much the gift 
of the Holy Spirit, the gift, the gift that is to be received. And what God is saying is, Patrick, you need to get back in the car and shut the door and let me fill the tank. You can't do it. You cannot read enough. You cannot strive enough. You cannot climb enough mountains. You cannot swim enough rivers. You have to allow me to do it. But maybe, just maybe, you have never stopped and said, Father, please fill me. I cannot do it. Maybe we've just never opened ourselves up. Can it be that simple? No, it can't be that simple, right, Patrick? It can't be that easy. What, what if we were, what if you today were just to ask God to fill you with the Spirit? You know what would happen? This is a, this is a prayer God has already told us he will say yes to. He may not say yes to you asking for a new car or a new house or a new family or whatever it is that you want in life, but he will say yes to this. He's already said yes to this. He's already made that power available. So, so this is amazing. And, and, and I don't want to get too off track here, but I want us to understand that we ask God, we open ourselves up, we get back in the car, we shut the door, we say, yes, fill me up. That's great. I want that. And then the Spirit does stuff. Remember that theological term from last week? The Spirit does stuff. I, I don't know how to else to tell you this other than if you open yourself up to the influence and power of the Spirit, the Spirit will do something in your life. Period. Period. There's no exceptions. There's nobody in this room listening online. There's nobody that God is not interested in filling and working through. Just, that's just the bottom line. That's just who we are. That's just what God wants from us. Well, maybe not me because I got a lot of sins. Nope. The sin thing doesn't matter. That's why Christ died on the cross. We are reconciled to him through Christ's physical body on the cross so that we can be filled with the power and presence of Jesus. It's, it's, it's what it's all about. It's the basics of it. This is just what it's all about. All right. But the Spirit does stuff. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18. Check this out. Do not get drunk on wine. Okay, Patrick, we've covered that. You tried to tell me something here? Yeah, do not get drunk on wine. That's what I'm trying to tell you. It's pretty simple. Which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Okay, all right, all right. I'm in the car. Door's closed. All right, will you please fill me? All right, let's do this. And then it says in verse 18, instead, be filled with the Spirit. Verse 19, rather, speaking to one another. So what happens is the Spirit comes into your life for a purpose, for a reason, for a mission. The Spirit comes into your life speaking to one another. Now, I all of a sudden realize that now I have a responsibility in the world to engage with the world in the mission of Jesus because I've been filled by the Spirit. Speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Aren't you glad we're going to be singing soon? Isn't that going to be great? I mean, this is a good thing. We're reading this verse right now because if we were and we were going to sing for another year, it'd be like, ah, maddening. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. The Spirit does stuff. You fill up the car with gas in order to go. Being filled leads in order to going. It leads to going. I think the spirit in you, and this, this is for some of you in the room. This is for some of you watching on Facebook right now. The spirit will lead you. It will fill you up in order to lead you to confront and confess sin in your life. The Spirit will fill you up to make you a life-giving presence for your friends and your family and your co-workers. That's what the Spirit intends to do in your life. The Spirit intends to fill you up to make you a peacemaker. Your life is filled with conflict and the Spirit wants to create peace and make you bring peace into new situations. The Spirit wants to bring you joy. You're miserable. The Spirit wants to fill you with the power and presence of God that brings joy. 
The Spirit wants to bring into you life-giving prayer. You know what? When you are filled up with Spirit, you desire to connect with God. You don't have to say, oh my goodness, I, I've been praying for five minutes. This is an eternity. You desire to connect with God. The Spirit does that. The Spirit leads to a dissipation, a fading away. You don't come up with rational reasons to take these things away, but the Spirit dissipates fear in you. It fades it away. It doesn't give you reasons. The Spirit takes care of that because the Spirit God has given us is one of power, not one of fear. Being filled with the Spirit leads to doing Spirit-filled things. So what would it look like for you to gain traction? Because if this is all just information, all right, don't get drunk with, uh, with wine, which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Great, I'm going to go and... Uh, you know, eat lunch and go about with my... If this is just information, then this is just not worth anybody's time. What would it be for you to actually live this and to actually be filled with the Spirit? Can I tell you a very unimpressive story uh, in my life that I believe God, uh, that I know God is working in my life? Very unimpressive. And the reason I'm telling you it's unimpressive is because I think it's relatable. <laughs> I have heard so many sermons where the preacher gets up and he said, yeah, the Spirit led me to, you know, to move to sub-Saharan Africa and I, you know, I converted an entire nation of people and that's what, and, and we're like, okay, well, I'm already like, that's, that's Superman version of the Holy Spirit. Can't, what's the entry level minimum wage version of the Spirit? Because that's kind of where I am. I, we're, we're, remember, we're getting traction. We're going up that hill. What's the minimum wage entry-level version of the Spirit in our lives. So I'm going to tell you an unimpressive but relatable story. This week, um, I, Wednesday morning, I woke up and I was going through my morning routine. I boil water to make coffee. And, uh, and then I'm going to read my Bible. So I'm standing at the stove boiling water and in my head pops this name. I'm not dreaming about this person. I'm not thinking about this person. I have not interacted with this person. In my head pops this name of a childhood friend. And I think, huh, weird. Back to coffee. Back to making my coffee. And then I have this second thought. Um, you should text him. And then I have a third thought that says, no, that's ridiculous. Uh, why would I want to text him? He hasn't heard from me. Like, that would be out of the blue. Besides, it's kind of early in the morning and he's probably asleep. And then I have this thought, it's all right. He lives in another time zone, eastern time zone. He'll be awake. He has small children. He'll be, you should text him. Uh, no, uh, that's a bad idea. That's silly. Uh, why would I do that? Why would I text him? And then, you know, this is probably just the, uh, my own voice in my head. My synapses are firing, and for some reason, some childhood memory came up, and who knows? This is just some sort of random happenstance of the universe. It's my own voice bringing that childhood friend's name into my head. That's the thought I have. And then I have this thought. Uh, do, do you want to text him? No, I don't want to text him. Then it's not your voice. Oh, okay, well, okay, fine. I want to get traction on the Spirit, so maybe. So I pull out my phone, and I'm like, this is going to be awkward. It's so early. I mean, it's, it is obnoxiously early to be texting somebody, whether or not they live in the Eastern time zone. Pull out my phone. Okay. Hey, uh, you know, random, but was just, just thinking about you. Hope life is going okay. Is this, is this good, God? <laughs> Send. Put my phone down. And then immediately I have a text back from him. Oh, hey, and it was pretty generic. Oh, yeah, life is great. You know, just 
Just living the dream. You know how people, it's just like a generic, what do you, how do you have these interactions when someone from your childhood reaches out to you? And so I'm like, okay, good. Well, I did what God asked me to do. Bam, put the phone back down. And then I think, well, I have the thought. You should, uh, you should offer to pray for him. Ask him what he needs prayer for. That's the, that's the thought. And, uh, and I, this, I think, no. <laughs> no, I already had the interaction. Whether or not that was really God, I already had this interaction. That was enough. That was my good deed for the day. Uh, no, no, no. You should reach out to him and say, is there anything you can pray for him about? And then I, but you know what? This is just all going on in my brain. There's not really God. The Spirit's not really talking to me. That's silly. That's not the voice of God. I am not so privileged to have the voice of God popping old friends. This is just me, my own voice. Do you want to reach out and ask him what he needs prayer for? No, I do not. Well, then it's not your voice. Oh, my goodness, you're good at arguing. It's very frustrating. Fine. I get my phone back out and I, hey, and I, it's, so, it's such an apologetic text. There's no boldness of the Spirit here. Hey, this is super random and kind of weird and sort of awkward. Uh, is there anything I can be praying for you about? You know, is it? I haven't talked to this guy in forever. Okay. All right, are you sure, God? Yep, send. Okay, put my phone down. And then, you know, I look at it. Hopefully, I was thinking maybe if it's really God, he'll text me back. Nothing, nothing. Nothing, nothing. Not even those three little dots that you get when, uh, I told you this was an unimpressive story, right? You know, oh, well, okay, well, hopefully he just chalks that up to me being uh, some weird preacher friend that he knows and he can tell his buddies at work today, like, this guy, I knew when I was a kid, asking me, that's what I'm thinking and that's all that's going on in my head. Again, not the voice of God. So I go back to my routine, making coffee, reading scripture. About 30 minutes later, I check the time, pick up my phone and I've got a text back from him. Have you ever gotten one of those texts where you don't read it, but you scroll to the bottom to see how long it is before you start? Do I have enough time to read this? That's the text I got back from him. And he is giving me the details of his current circumstances and his life so that I can engage with God in prayer for him. What? What? Now, I told you it's unimpressive. You know why it's unimpressive? Because what it, it, would, it was two texts. It was two texts. It was a childhood name. Who cares? Like, it's not something cool. It's not like waking up from a dream and calling, you know, Steve's got better stories. But see, here's the thing. You've got better stories than that in your own life. In your own life, God is doing things in you, whether or not you're reacting, but God is doing things in you. Because he is filling you in order to do. This is, three things happened to me when I sent that text. I actually, I, uh, I texted him a couple days later just to make sure. I didn't make all this up. Is this real? I, and this is what I, I texted him. Hey, just, you know, thanks for sharing. I've been praying. And then, you know, it's way too early. But he calls me back. And we have this phone conversation about life and what's going on. It's just like unbelievable. Like, like that's not a big deal. But it's sort of unbelievable, isn't it? Sort of unbelievable. Three things are happening. Number one, I am training myself to hear the Spirit. That's not my voice. Do you want to pray for him, Patrick? No, I do not. <laughs> That's the Spirit. Satan isn't saying, hey, you should pray for your childhood friend, right? That's the Spirit. Who else is that? Recognizing the voice of the Spirit. I am being used to do something in someone's life by the Spirit. And 
I am being filled up. Do you realize how much confidence that gives me just to have this interaction with this, the, the mighty power of God working in me to send a childhood friend a text? How silly that is, how minor that is, how like unimpressive that is, but it's filling me up. Maybe the next time God will use me to do something more and more risky and more bold. Because look at this. I'm jumping around. Poor Daryl is not going to be able to follow up. But look at what happens in Luke chapter 1, verse 67. Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Acts chapter 2, verse 4. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. Acts chapter 4, verse 31. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. The Spirit fills us in order to do stuff in the world. That's what it's always been about. So are we getting traction? Are we listening to that voice? Are we praying to be filled in order for the Spirit to do something in us? We're testing the waters, right? We're testing the waters. We're splashing around in the shallow end. You know, God's got some cool stories of the Spirit doing things through His people in the New Testament, but those are the highlights, man. Maybe we'll get there eventually, but for now, let's keep gaining traction in the Spirit. Let's let God use us. Let's share those stories. Let's talk to one another about what the Spirit is doing through us. You know what? That even encourages other people. Maybe next, all, this is what's going to happen this week, I think. I don't know. All of you are going to have some name pop into your head, and you're going to be like, oh, Oh, great, I heard that sermon Sunday, and now i got to text that person. Oh, boy. Thanks, Patrick. But we'll have all these unimpressive stories of the Spirit gaining traction in our lives. And that's just, that's all, that's all I want. That's all I want. That's all you want. Your life to be transformed by the power and the presence of the Spirit filling you up. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray for your Spirit to be present in this room with us, among us, present here. God, I pray that we would humbly and with a sense of, of humility and dependence just offer our lives to you to allow you to fill us up with your spirit. God, we, we love the idea that you want to use us, but God, I confess for myself and for others in this room that it makes us nervous. This whole idea makes us nervous. We're afraid that we're going to go off the deep end somehow when we're going to get in too deep. But Lord, I pray that you would take us on this journey with you, that you would fill us with your spirit. And by the time that we're in the deep end, Lord, we are ready to swim. God, we, we love you. We thank you for what you're going to do and for all the ways that you're going to say yes to the spirit filling us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go with the spirit. <laughs>